Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. So one of the blessings of the lectionary that might at times feel like a curse is that you're forced to read a text that pastors like me might avoid otherwise. Years ago, though, I, I found this, um, this sort of uh, longing, actually, that sometimes the texts that perplex us the most or that unnerve us the most or make us the angriest probably the ones we need to step into. That doesn't mean that we're going to completely understand it. It certainly doesn't mean that I completely understand it. But I think it's important to step toward it. In many ways, honestly, I, I, I hope another text comes up soon about the, the cloud of witnesses, the communion of saints, because I think that's another word we need to hear. But I think this morning we need to hear about love's scorching heat. Nothing that we will hear in the gospel reading today will make sense if we do not have solid truths that the rest of the Bible gives us already firmly fixed in our heart and imagination. Here's a few of those. In Jesus, we discover that God has taken humanity into God's self. In creation, God birthed us out of his own being, and then God again in the human body of Jesus gathered all of humanity back into himself. The cross and resurrection, the incarnation of Jesus, was not about the salvation merely of individual souls. It was about the gathering together of humanity in the new human Jesus. This means that in Jesus, we find that God has enacted absolute solidarity with humanity. In Jesus, we find that God has enacted absolute solidarity with humanity. A solidarity that is final. And so long as God will not hate or abandon himself, can never be severed. Can you hear that? So long as God will not hate or abandon himself, he cannot and will not sever himself in love to humanity. The final irrevocable commitment of God's love for every human is revealed to the, word, to the world in both the beauty and the horror of the cross. Where Jesus, and you're going to hear this a lot today, joining himself to all of humanity by becoming one of us, took into his own body all of our evil, all of our violence, all of our greed, all of our supposed superiority. And this Jesus, who in his body joined himself to all of humanity, raised humanity with him from the realm of death and the domain of hell. In other words, God was so committed to our living that God chose his own death over ours. God was so committed to our healing 
that God would do anything, even endure his own humiliation and torture, his own excruciating pain, rather than abandon us to suffering. The God that we encounter in the gospel reading today is the same God who would ask Israel in the reading we had from Jeremiah, do I not fill heaven and earth? Do I not fill heaven and earth? There is no escaping God. There is no escaping the love of God. Because wherever God is, love is. God fills every stitch and every corner of reality. The idea that we can ever be finally removed from the love of God is a denial of the love of God in the flesh of Jesus. Where, remember, God has forever in Jesus joined himself to humanity. This is the same God at the end of Jeremiah's reading today that we heard this word, is not my word like fire, says the Lord. And like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces, is not my word like a fire. So what is the fire of God understood in the story of Jesus? The fire of God is not retribution. The fire does not bellow from an enraged deity. God is forever on our side because in Jesus, God has forever joined himself to humanity. For God to hate his creation is for God to create himself. Rather, the fire of God is a cleansing fire. The fire burns away everything in us that is death. Everything that is not yet transformed by love. And don't we want to be made into perfect love? Don't we want to be made new more than we want mere comfort? Don't we want true humanity? Don't we want to be stripped of everything that clings to the regime of death? Here's how the scripture talks about fire. In Zechariah, God says, I will put them into the fire and refine them as, one's refined, as one refines silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they, were, they will say, the Lord is my God. In 1 Peter, we're told that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Malachi and the prophets speak of God himself defined as a refiner's fire. That it's not even so much just something that God does, it's who God is. So there's two things we have to know if we're to f finish hearing this gospel reading. 
God is absolute love. God has absolutely tethered himself to humanity. And God is committed to healing and transforming the world and all of the beloved creatures into his own image, into true humanity, into perfect love. And that process is both painful and absolute love. It's a fiery love. Another way of saying this is that we can't hear God in the gospel reading properly if we don't fear, hear this first as the God who said, as we heard last week, do not be afraid, little flock. The same God who stands in the very midst of our terror and says, do not be afraid, little flock, is the same God who says, I have come to bring a fire on the earth. came to bring fire to the earth, Jesus says, and oh, how I wish it were already kindled. Whew. But I'll tell you right at this moment, and why I've probably too long belabored everything up to this point is how you hear those words will tell you maybe most everything you need to know about how, what your vision of God is. Jesus adds, there is coming a scorching heat. Fire, this cleansing, purifying heat that burns away everything that is bound to death. Everything that mars our humanity. Everything that hinders us from being a people of love. Everything that is a lie. Everything that shrouds the glory of God that is to emanate in us. Everything that we were created for, but that we turn away by rebellion and lunacy and just believing lies, the fire comes and burns it away. I wonder what this might suggest to us about another fire that we read of in Scripture. As I understand it, and I, and I want to be very cautious here, I think as Christians, we get into uh, deep water when we try to ultimately define mysteries in the mind of God. I think heaven and hell and what these words mean are, are some of those mysteries. But as I understand it, hell is not the place where God pours out fiery venom on humans that God has abandoned. God doesn't abandon. Because in Jesus, God has forever joined himself to humanity. As best I understand, hell is what happens when we exert our will to resist love. But because God is love and because God has forever bound himself to humanity, God's way and posture and arms are always open. Callisto Swear, a Greek Orthodox bishop, says hell is not so much a place where God imprisons man as a place where man, by misusing his free will, chooses to imprison himself. And even in hell, even in hell, the wicked are not deprived of the love of God. 
but by their own choice, they experience, and this is a, this is a, a really mind-bending line, but you find it in many of the church mystics, Christian mystics, and you find it in some of the church fathers and mothers. They are not deprived of the love of God, but by their own choice, they experience as suffering what the saints experience as joy. Vladimir Lossky said the same thing a different way. He said, the love of God, the love of God will be an intolerable torment for those who have not acquired it within themselves. In other words, the blazing fire of God that comes for our good, painful though it is, is from the hand of a God who loves us. And when our heart is being remade and formed and fashioned toward love, we can receive that and it becomes a kind of strange joy because we see the goodness. But for those of us who will not receive that goodness and trust it, it is only pain. We push it away. That very thing that would heal us. Elder Sophrony said, you may be certain that as long as someone is in hell, Christ will remain there with him. In the cross of Christ, we are told the blazing story that Jesus Christ is forever suffering with the sufferer. But I don't want to go too easy here. I want to remind us that it is still fire. This blazing love, it's painful because it burns away everything that would kill us. And this is no lighthearted affair. For those of us who would come to see this fire as the hand of perfect love, as God's strange but tender mercy, this mercy that would have us live rather than die, to have us be whole rather than broken shards, this fire is something we can learn to trust and even walk into. Did you know that carried by the love of Christ, you can actually walk into the fire of God? knowing in your heart that you will not be consumed, but you will be remade. We ought not resist the, the fire of God, and we shouldn't, we might have some trembling, but we shouldn't ultimately be afraid of it, and we certainly shouldn't reject it. Don't we need God's fire to burn away the sickness in us? Don't we look around us in our own heart and stories and isn't there some moment where we might say, we need God's fire to burn? Don't we need God's fire to burn away the illusions? God's fire to scorch away the death that we encounter day after day, the despair, the selfishness, the ways that we rape God's beautiful creation, our narcissism, our unwillingness to see our neighbors as brothers and sisters. In moments of sanity, when we are not consumed by selfishness or fear, can't we locate the fact that there's actually some kind of strange ache for God's fire to come and just burn all the lies away? Because I can tell you, I've only lived 47 years, but I have decreasing and decreasing hope in our capacity and ability to fix this thing. 
I think we make our best efforts. I think there is improvement. I think we call out evil when it's evil and we work for good. But I'll tell you, unless God comes and God burns with God's holy, furious, loving fire, I think we are screwed. The fire does not destroy us. It destroys those things that seek to destroy us. But when we believe that those things are us, when it is so interwoven into our stories and our imaginations and our thinking, when we go to those things so quickly, it feels like it's destroying us, but it's not. I don't know if you guys had a chance this week to see the clip that kind of rotated around of uh, Stephen Colbert with Anderson Cooper. Go find it if you haven't. There's a lot of them, but this is one uh, that I think was getting most of the attention. A few years ago, I said that I think Stephen Colbert, and this is not perfect, he's not this, but he's the closest thing I think our generation has to a G.K. Chesterton. Someone whose Catholic faith fully informs their posture in the public, public sphere and is something of a gadfly. And then there's moments where his faith is so visible and his compassion so deep that it just almost takes your breath away. But Anderson Cooper got tears as he was asking uh, Colbert a question about something that he had said. I don't know what the context where he'd said it, but Anderson wanted to circle back around where he had quoted it. He'd said that the punishment of gods, aren't they also gifts? He was actually quoting Tolkien. And Anderson asked him, do you believe that? Do you believe that even the things that we would see as grief and sorrow are somehow, somehow a gift? And I'll, I'll tell you right now, there's a way of saying that that is massively trite. And there's a way of using that language that is massively inappropriate. And there's also a deep truth to it. There's a deep truth that we can trust that God's love will not destroy us even when it burns, but that it will destroy those things that seek to destroy us. That it will destroy those things that are at war with love. It will destroy those things that would consume us and kill us if God's fiery love does not come with its scorching heat. And it will disrupt us. And I think that's what Jesus is saying in that perplexing mother against daughter and father against son. It's, it's not saying that Jesus has come to destroy families. In fact, when Jesus said, do you think I've come to say peace? I'm like, well, actually I do because you said it yourself a number of times, Jesus. <laughs> like, I think what Jesus is saying is he doesn't come to bring false peace. As the prophet said, he's not the one who will come and say peace when actually there is no peace. Jesus is the one who will come and say, I have actually come to make peace, but it's not the kind of peace you've imagined. And you might want to get your fire gear on because the flames are going to have to come. And as the flames come, 
And hopefully, I don't have to give this um, side note. The teaching here is not that everything that evil happens in your life is from God's flames. That's not the point either. There's many things that happen in the world because they're evil, and they are actually contrary to Christ. But there is a truth that God's flames will come. When they come, they might seem they're going to absolutely destroy us, and they will cut into the most basic loyalties and establishments of our heart. Because whenever we walk toward the fire, as my, as my friend Kenneth Tanner says, whenever we walk toward the fire of God, it's going to bring divisions in the world, and we need to be prepared for that. Because even that itself is part of the fire. Love's scorching heat. God's fiery mercy. It will burn away arrogance and self-sufficiency and our pretend righteousness and our violence and our resistance to love and the numerous ways that we lie to ourselves. It will burn away every vestige of death, though in the moment it may feel like death. This is when God's fiery work is healing us. But we can trust the fire. We can trust God in the fire. Because God's love is sometimes fire. Would you pray with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.